Would you stand with me just for the reading of the word this morning? We're going to read out of Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verse 43. And uh, would you just read that with me? And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all of her life living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that the power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that there was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him and declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Jesus, we just pray that you just open up our hearts and our minds as we reach out in life time and time again, walking through trials, persecution, trying to be people of perseverance, but we reach out to touch you. Help us, God, never to be intimidated, but to lovingly always seek you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It amazes me when I think about our lives today and all that God is doing and how he has blessed all of us in so many ways. How many of you have been blessed? Let me see your hand. How many enjoy blessings? Let me see your hand. I was thinking about this guy, and for all you animal lovers, this is such a cute story. He had this puppy, and this puppy would not obey at all. He tried, and he tried, and he tried to get it to obey, but it wouldn't. And his neighbor was a Baptist evangelist. And this Baptist evangelist said, hey, buddy, I can train your dog. I'm good about training people, and I can train that dog. He's like, take him. So he had him for a week, and uh, he brought the dog back over, and the Baptist evangelist said, now watch. And he threw a thing. He said, fetch. And the dog went and grabbed it. He said, and he, bring it back. The dog brought it back. He said, drop it. And the dog dropped it. And the guy goes, that's amazing. He goes, just a little bit of training. He's going to be fine. And so the owner said, looked at the dog, and he said, heal. And the dog stood up on both back legs and put its paw on his head. <laughs> and he started barking. Then he went down. He looked at the Baptist evangelist and said, what was that? He said, I've got a charismatic neighbor who's got a dog. I think your dog's been hanging with that dog. That's what happened, so it's okay. <laughs> the plight of hopelessness. I think that there's so many things happening today that people get discouraged, they get hopeless. It could be a battle in their marriage. It could be a battle in their health. It could just be a battle financially. I mean, we see the economy slowing down. People aren't buying as much. Um, the interest rates are high. And um, there's a lot of gloom and doom in the air. Amen? But in the kingdom of God, we have to ask ourselves, 
Do we want Jesus? I want to say that again. As a believer in the kingdom of God, do you want Jesus? That, that's a question we have to ask. We all want blessings. Come on. We want anointing. We want happiness. People want prosperity. But my question is, do you want Jesus even if you don't get those things? Because I think we've sold our children a bill of goods by preaching prosperity, preaching blessing, preaching happiness, when real life comes in and can knock you right off your feet. But the question we have to instill in them, the answer to the question is, do you want Jesus? And the answer is absolutely. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's the one that's there when everybody else is gone. If we look for what we get and we're always looking for somebody to build us up or encourage us, we're going to be highly disappointed because people are going to let you down because you're not always going to gain. Somebody say amen. Because in real life, people around you get hurt, you get hurt, people pass away. Some very young, some at an older age. Sometimes we can't explain the passing, amen? But what we have to understand is if we want Jesus, we can still rejoice because even in the passing, they're with him forever. That's where I want to be is with Jesus forever. Sure, I'm here on the earth, and I'm not so heavenly minded that I'm no earthly good, but we have to be so careful. The problem is we come to church even and we think we need fun. We need excitement. I, there's one local church, their theme is fun. You have to be careful if that's your goal. Because I have learned through all my years in the kingdom that life is not always fun. And even in the church, there's not always fun that's going to happen. Amen? Or I come to church and I want to be excited. I, I just want God to do something. I want, to get, I, want to, I want a sermon that's going to pump me up. Well, as soon as you walk out Monday, if you're deflated, what good are you? We need to get grounded in the word. We need to be able to be living examples of perseverance to those around us. And, and that's what this message is going to be about today. This woman with this issue of blood. For 12 years, I can't imagine battling that every day, being set aside, being pushed away. By us focusing on the next infilling, oh, I need to be refilled. Not against being refilled, but that shouldn't be your goal. By us focusing on feeling good, feeling Jesus, by us thinking what is going to be given or what am I going to get today, that is irresponsibility in the kingdom of God. We need to come to church. We need to worship our creator. We need to be thanking him for all that he's done. But then we also need to say, how can I go deeper and be more fruitful? It's not about you. It's never been about you. It won't be about you. It's all about Jesus. 
It's not you being up front or you leading a Bible study or you do. It's not about you. It's about fulfilling Jesus' purpose and plan. Is there a perfect church? Absolutely not. Is there a perfect pastor? Absolutely not. Should have been a few amens there. That's my mom. I hear people say, I want revival. I want to feel the presence of God. I was at this revival, and I was at that revival, and I felt the presence of God. Let me help you out. Real revival is you live the lifestyle of Jesus every day. You can feel good on a Sunday morning, but if it isn't doing a thing for you all week, if you're not getting into the Word, not seeking God's purpose and plan, touching the lepers, reaching out and healing the sick, making a difference, interceding and praying for others, what is revival that more than a feeling? Come on. I don't want that revival. I've watched past leadership of revival get so wealthy and so caught up in themselves and then divide the church, split the church, cause all kinds of havoc because they weren't really staying in tune with the Holy Spirit. Man, it's a lifestyle change where you see yourself praying more, communicating with God, building a relationship that's deeper in Christ. I don't need to be filled up so I can shake and tremble and get a buzz. You former druggies, don't be looking for that. It'll leave you. I don't need a buzz in the kingdom. I need consistency in the kingdom. That's what I need. I need to be consistent. I mean, our society is turning to drugs like never before. Heroin, meth, prescription, alcohol. They're looking for something real. We have the answer. They're looking for pleasure. I don't need a created feeling or a buzz. I just need to be exhausted in knowing that he is Alpha and Omega, he is the beginning and the end, he is the one in charge, and I'm just here to do his work. I'm not here to build my little kingdom so that my clonies can come around me and they can listen to me teach and they can listen to me preach or they can come to my house and sit and it's us four and no more. That's not what God's about. And that is a problem with the church in America. Let's feel good. Let's do it our way. We don't care. Let's be the church that everybody wants to be there. No, let's just be Jesus to the people that don't want to come to church. The plight of hopelessness, it's real. It's real. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Let me say that again. That should be our daily wake up. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. We have forgotten to live out righteousness, character, and we've lost the desire to keep our integrity. 
If we disagree with somebody, we're going to get in their face and show them, or we're going to, we're going to quit our job, or we're going to move out of our neighborhood, or we're going to leave our church because we didn't get things our way. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> we don't need people like that. They're divisive. I don't even know the name of that group. That song just popped in my head when I said it. But anyway, we, we don't need that. I want to be a part of somebody that's jumping in deep. I, I even think about the end times and, and how end times, this stuff comes in, in different lifetimes. And I'm not saying Jesus can't come back tomorrow. He can. But listen to me. They thought he was coming in the 40s. They thought Hitler was the Antichrist. They thought Jesus was coming in the 60s and 70s when there was rioting on the streets and in the college campuses and places were burning. And, and all of a sudden, they realized that the Vietnam War was not what they should. They thought Jesus was coming. And we have thought Jesus is coming. He could, but listen to me. The end times and keeping your perspective always on that will wear you out. It's exhausting. Why? Because you're always looking at the next prophecy, the next prophet, the next book series, the next podcast, the new thing that somebody, and all of a sudden there's all kinds of new things coming up now. I want to be like Martin Luther. If Jesus is coming tomorrow, I just want to go and do my daily life, and he says, I'll just plant another tree. In other words, I'm going to do what I did yesterday, and if Jesus is coming tomorrow, I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to run to everybody. I'm just going to say, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing if you're doing the right thing. Come on now. I've got my integrity. I've got my character. And, but have you noticed how intense the spiritual battle has gotten in marriages with children at work, even with our own government? Oh, my gosh. The devil loves this stuff. He loves division. He loves division. So many are jumping in really deep on end times and trying to figure out timelines and dates. It can be exhausting and even at times paralyzing. I'm not saying you cannot look and know the seasons, but to eat, breathe the media and analyze and predict will stifle your Christian living. Because you can't be the husband or the wife or you can't be the parent or the child or the grandparent or the worker or the neighbor or the member of that organization because you're so consumed with, I think he's coming. Now, this is, hasn't anything really to do with my message yet. I just saw this week that the New York Times posted an article, and it said that COVID deaths were overcounted by a minimum of 30%. 30% of those deaths weren't even COVID-related. 
And in March of 2020, when the World Health Organization declared a pandemic, there were only 4,000 deaths in 120 countries. In March of 2020, 120 countries, 4,000 deaths, 30% of that would take it down to what? 3,000, 800? But yet we made it a pandemic. And people lost their businesses and lost their livelihoods. You have to be careful if you get so caught up in what the world's trying. They have an agenda. As a matter of fact, in March, they said it was 4,219 deaths in 120 nations. Let's look at the plight of hopelessness and how the devil is using this along with evil men to cage people up. Sin has brought pain, amen? Sin has brought death, suffering in the world. And until Jesus returns, there will be that. So sin has brought death, suffering, disease, separation. We need to study and teach God's word. I think I, I've been praying about where am I supposed to go starting here in the fall. And I think we're going to go verse by verse through the first 11 chapters of Genesis. I think we need to be reminded of what God intended. Because there's so much, that, there's, it's so foundational and what needs to happen, especially after going to the ark and, and seeing that, just reminded me of how important it is for us to, to understand what God was doing and how the enemy tried to trip all of us up by what took place. There's a time for us to walk in unity and not division. I believe that's now. I believe that's now. Even Paul mentioned that there would be lawlessness, but we've got to understand we have to break from the lawlessness. Can you say amen? If you're hanging with a lawless person and they're always against authority and they're always trying to bring about division, I'm not talking about people that stand for righteousness, but they can justify their righteousness and not line up with God's word. But there are lawless people. They do not need to be your best friends. Hello. Who you hang with is who you become. If you hang with a gossip, you're going to be a gossip. If you hang with an unhappy person in an unhappy marriage, you're probably going to find problems with your G.I. Joe. <laughs> or your Barbie. We've got to start digging into God's word. His word says that death is a result of sin. The world says that there are millions of years before man was ever created. I don't believe that. Because if that's the case and all these animals died, then that makes Genesis untrue and makes the word of God untrue. But God says that he created all that. And the reason death came was Adam and Eve sinned, not multi-millions of years of stuff going on before they got here. But we have to understand that to understand who God is. Because they will say, how can a mean God 
kill somebody, allow this to happen because he created beings with a free will and they chose to sin, which brought death into existence. But thank God for Jesus who brought redemption. Amen? And yes, we have forgotten about the holiness of God and to be in awe of his holiness and to have a respect and a reverence for God. Come on now. There are consequences because of sin. There are consequences because of decisions that you've made that are sinful. Hello. We're going to take some of that and own it. Evil things happen, but God can see the bigger picture, and whoever did that to you that was wrong, that hurt, abused, whatever they did, wronged you or whatever, God saw it before it happened, but he also saw how that he could take that and make you a better person. You know, before I fry an egg, before I fry the egg I, and, or get to the boiled egg, I've got to crack the shell. If I don't crack the shell, I don't get what I want. I don't get my fried egg. Sometimes we get cracked and broken, but God produces something really yummy in the long term because we learn and it builds integrity and character in us that we become people who are determined to live for Christ no matter what we face. We have forgotten that. So here we are in Luke 8. And there was a woman with a discharge of blood for 12 years. Oh my goodness. First point today is this, life brings us difficulties. And I ask that question, what has life brought you? What is it in the last year that you've struggled with? Has it been your health, your marriage, your child, your parent, your job, your finances? Write it down there. Just put it down there. What has life come at you with? Because I want you to look at that and then start looking at it and saying, and how is God using that to build my character. Does anybody here have the perfect marriage? I want to see a couple of liars. Okay, right on the front row, right over there. Dana's saying no. Your children are saying no. Okay, no. Is anybody here married to the perfect spouse? Let me see your hand. Oh, my God. A bunch of men raised their hand. What a bunch of suck-ups. She's <laughs> like, come up here and tell him what a real man is, a perfect man. No, 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 you stay right there. <laughs> this woman had an issue in her blood, discharging blood for 12 years, ladies. She was considered unclean. She wasn't supposed to be around anybody. The pain, the agony, the sorrow. And then she was going to physician after physician. I don't know what all she tried, but she used up all that she had after 12 years. This is a long battle. Sometimes the things that God does to build character in our lives that the enemy meant for bad and God turns it for better takes time. 
My mom was married to my dad 34 years, prayed every day for his salvation, had us praying. It wasn't two years. It wasn't four years. 34 years later, my dad gave his life to the Lord. And the Lord told my mom if she would be faithful and keep praying, that God would save my dad. But ministers, friends, all the people around her kept saying, you need to leave him. You need to divorce him. He's not been faithful. You know, you did all these things. And she kept saying, but God told me he was going to save him. Thank God for perseverance and faith. Because I would be in jail today. I would be in jail had she divorced him. There's no doubt. I, I, I would have been a mess. Thank you, Jesus. So what in life has come at you? We have to look at that. We have to think about that. What in life has come at us? The second point, and I'm going to get back to these points, is difficulties can produce the following results. Difficulties can produce, and we'll get to those. Difficulties can help steal your identity. Difficulties can absorb your resources. Come on now. Difficulties can isolate you. Maybe you're one of these people, when things start getting bad or whatever, you just start pulling back, and you isolate. That's what the devil does with difficulties. But Jesus says, I can turn what the enemy wanted for bad into good. I can build a greater person as far as fruitfulness in you if you'll give it to me. If you'll give it to me. So she had this issue of blood attacking her body. I want to read it out of Mark 5, 25 through 31. In the other gospel. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and she was no better. Rather, she grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. Somebody say, thank you for faith. She heard about him, had never personally met him, but knew that miracles were taking place. And she determined with all that she had, even though she couldn't be in a crowd, I'm going to get in the crowd. If I have to crawl my way through, I'm going to touch that man's garment and I'll be made whole. Wow. No matter what life has thrown at you, what type of discharge has come into your life, what type of issue has come at you, Jesus is there, and if you'll just grab Jesus, he'll get you through that issue. Come on now. I'm not saying you can't go to a doctor. I'm not saying you can't do this or that. All I'm saying is make Jesus your first priority. She heard about that. Immediately, the flow of the blood dried up, and she felt it in her body, and she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out of him, immediately turned about the crowd and said, who touched my garments? Come on now. You got friends like this? You're trying to get closer to God, and they're like, hey, everybody's trying to get there. 
But Jesus, I, I know if I can just, now everybody's trying to do it. You need to slow down. You, you're just becoming too much of a Jesus freak. You know, you're, 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 I mean, I was so fired up for Jesus. I didn't know you couldn't go to Tippecanoe Mall and, and hand out tracks. I didn't know that was against the law. Nobody told me that. I'm at the front of the mall. And when they told me, hey, you can't do it at the front, I went to the back of the mall. And I handed out tracks, and I told hey, man, Jesus loves you. He's got a purpose and a plan for you. This professor gets in my face. He's taking the track, and he's slapping it in my nose. I don't believe in this. I don't believe in this. I don't believe in this. I said, you're in the right place. You're in the right place. Because I do. Let me pray for you. You're not praying for me. I want to pray for you. He loves you. I don't believe in him, but he still loves you. He's done this for me. Can I help you? Oh, he got so mad at me. I was 19 years old. I didn't know you couldn't do that. And then I went to Purdue, and I realized there is a captive audience right over there. So I'm in the union. I've got my tracks on the stairs between classes. Hey, Jesus loves you. Take one of these. Read this. Read. I'm by myself. People are throwing it at me. A guy spits on me. One guy pushes me. I'm like, persecution! <laughs> but I'm not going to stop. And when I was over there not too long ago and I saw Chi Alpha have tables in the union and they had signs on the tables, free prayer, and I saw kids, students lined up to get free prayer at the union, I thought, Lord, you're a big God. They're hungry. We just need people to make it, to offer it for them. I remember our youth group on Teal Road going out there, and we set them up down all the way down by the fire, plate, uh, fire station on 18th Street, all the way up to the church with big signs. Pull in, turn right, free prayer. We want to pray for you. And they're flashing them just like you would a car wash. And cars are turning in. Then there's Pastor Adam over there, and he's got 12 other youth waiting, and they surround the cars, and they tell them, is this real? Are you really wanting to pray for us? I'm going through a divorce, and I, and I really need prayer right now. And everybody that's pulled in, they were sincere, and those kids prayed for them. That's what God is looking for. Wherever you are, you don't need a sign. Just stop in the grocery store. Stop in the neighborhood. Let me pray for you. I'm telling you, very few people will refuse prayer. Come on now, because we got a world that's hurting. Let me keep reading out of Mark here. And the disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, daughter. He didn't say you cast away. He didn't say you unclean thing. He didn't say stay back. He didn't say, oh, my gosh. He said, daughter. Daughter, oh my goodness, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Sometimes we've just got to press in, in our, with our issues, with our discharges, and we've got to say, God, I need you like never before. If nobody else will pray with you, you just get alone and pray. If nobody else will join you in that, you just keep seeking God. 
I was asking my wife the other day, I said, in your lifetime, first 20 years, who really believed in you? Who believed in you? She named her mother and her stepmother. And I said, because I know my mom believed in me, she had to. Because she knew her only hope was Jesus. My grandmother believed in me. But then my boss at Decker's, Mason Smith, he believed in me. He hired me as a janitor at 15. And then a position came open and he, opened and he made me the stock boy. And then another position came open and he moved me up to inventory clerk. And then another position came open as I was going to Purdue and he made me assistant manager of Deckers. He believed in me. He said to me, oh, and these windows in front of the stores, they're yours to decorate. I want you to decorate them once every three weeks. What? You can do it. Oh, and we need a Christmas tree. I want you to go out there on 231 to the Christmas tree farm, take the van at Decker's and go cut me a tree down, bring it back and decorate it. What? I've never done that. We just scrambled to find a tree growing up. He believed in me. And then he said, Owen, come to my house. I want you to wash these windows, take these screens out. I'm in my 70s. I can't do it. I never told that man no because he believed in me. Can I tell you something? You may have never had anyone that believed in you. You may have had very few, but Jesus believes in you. He believes in you today. When everybody else has exited, when you didn't know your dad or your mom, when your spouse left you and divorced you, whatever it was, when your parents rejected you. Marley, you're probably listening this morning in Oklahoma. Marley was here cleaning the church. At three years old, she and her sister were adopted from Russia to their parents in Oklahoma. She's really struggling with who she is because those first 18 months of your life are so important to be nurtured and cared for and given time. Dads, do you hear me? That young baby boy or girl needs you in their life too. And so Shaloi and I take turns every day texting or calling to encourage Marley because here recently she wanted to end her life. She didn't feel like she had anything to live for. She went back to Oklahoma because a cousin lost custody of four children, and she, her mom, and her dad are taking care of the four kids as foster kids. But Shaloi has been so faithful to pray for her and encourage her and to speak the truth in love because we know God has a plan for Marley. She doesn't know who her biological parents are. She doesn't know the circumstances. 
but she's got a father in heaven that loves her so much. And she's got brothers and sisters here on the earth that really do care about her. It's just one at a time. One at a time. Reach out and love them. So what's come at you? Come at you. Is that question. What has life done? Has it been your health? Your marriage? Your finances? Your relationships? Your thoughts? Your addictions? Jesus is your source in overcoming these difficulties. I said difficulties can do something. Point number two, they can steal your identity. How do I know it steals your identity? That scripture that we read in Luke and Mark says it does because they referred to her as a woman with a discharge. Nobody says what her name is. There are times in life you're just a castaway. You're the guy that divorced him. You're the guy that did. You're the woman that left your children. You're the one that nobody really knows here because your identity was stolen by the enemy and decisions you made. Can I tell you something? Jesus can touch you. Oh, my goodness. Are you getting this this morning? You know, when we focus on the bad, it actually affects our brain. And it takes down your self-esteem. We need to show appreciation to one another. I believe the reason that COVID was running around is the devil hates it when we hug one another. You know, we need like four hugs a day. Oh, my goodness. Brother, you just need a hug right now. Stand up right now. Oh, my. We need a hug. Oh, come here, baby. You've been waiting all morning for this. Stand up here. Oh, my goodness. You just need a hug. Be careful now. I'm fragile. Oh. We need to hug one another. When is the last time you've hugged your children, your spouse? It's important. I'm not a hugger. Well, I'm going to be a bugger and bug you. Because you need a hug. You need that. Oh, Addison, I know you've been waiting all morning. Come on. Come on. Be gentle. Shane. We need one another. Amen? It's important. We need to show appreciation. When's the last time you've told your employees... Your spouse, oh, my wife, she cooked, oh, man, she got me some fried green tomatoes last night. Some of you are like, ugh, no, they were so good. And I couldn't stop eating them. And our neighbors gave us some sweet corn, and she fixed that. And I was putty in her fingers. I told her again and again, oh, that was so good. It's the first time you've cooked in 12 years. So praise that Lord. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. He tries to steal your identity. You know what he uses? Bankruptcy. Addiction. Irrational thinking. 
People refer to you no longer as your name, Mr. or Mrs. Mess. They're just a mess. That's what the devil does. You see how he does that? Can I tell you something? Jesus loves you so much. I just want to read these scriptures. I mean, I get to the rest of these, but I just want to read these because they're so important. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might be the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. 1 John 4.17, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is so also we are in the world. We are Christ-like. Let me keep reading here. Colossians 2.9. For in him the wholeness and fullness of his deity dwells bodily. Oh my goodness. We are in Christ. Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Romans 8.37. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Romans 8.17. And if children then heirs and heirs of God and if fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. And then Luke 2.52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man. John 5.21 says, the Father gives life to who he will. As we work out our identity, we demonstrate it by speaking and showing who we are in Christ. Do not live to be noticed. God is looking for nameless and faceless people at this time and season. Servants. And when you're nameless and faceless and it's not about you getting any glory, he'll just bless you again and again and again. Too many in this culture accept it. They're, they're trading who they are in Christ to be accepted by this culture, and it's wrong. And it's demoralizing and taking them away. She said she spent all that she had. Difficulties can take your resources, your time, your talent. We can search and spend all that we have for worldly wisdom. But there comes a point where only Jesus can be our answer. Your strength and your energy, your finances can be robbed. You can dwell on problems and lose your coping abilities. You can get weak physically and mentally. Hello, you ever been there? Struggle with something and you got nothing left. The enemy will rob you of your time and your whole focus gets redirected. She touched him. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Come on now. Whew. Jesus can sympathize with you. He can give you empathy. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Stand with me. The last point is difficulties can isolate you. 
they can isolate you. What are you going to do with that isolation? Hopefully, you're going to get in the Word. You're going to pray. You're going to seek God. You're going to put on some praise music. You're going to praise Him even in the midst of turmoil and all hell breaking loose. I don't have time to get to it, but Hezekiah, the prophet came to him, Isaiah, and he said, Thus saith the Lord, your days are done. You're going to die. Isaiah leaves. Hezekiah hits the floor. He starts reminding God of how he's lived for him. He reminds him of what he's done. And he starts reminding God of how he's tried to live his life and do the things. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God says to Isaiah, go back up there. This man has caused me to change my mind. That's a point. You don't think God can change his mind? He did it for Hezekiah. And he said, I'm going to give you life so many more years. I'm going to do it. Can I tell you, if you get alone in isolation and you start praying and seeking God, God can turn things around. Oh, my goodness. There's nothing too big. He can even turn the grips of death around. Woo! Bow your heads with me this morning. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, nobody, you've never committed your life to Christ, I'm not going to bring you forward. I'm just asking you, I want to accept Christ this morning. Christians are praying right now. If that's you, would you lift your hand and say, pray for me, Owen. I've never received Christ. Hold it high just so I can see it, and then I'll let you put it down. Hold it up high. I don't want to miss you. I've never received Christ. Don't want to miss anybody. All you have to do is ask him. Say, Jesus, forgive me my sins. I believe you're the Son of God. And I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. But here's where I really wanted to do it. This morning, with heads bowed, you're in a plight of hopelessness. Oh my gosh, have I felt this all week with this message. I mean hopelessness has rested upon you, the issue that you're dealing with are issues, the discharge in your life. I don't know what it is, but you've been going through some junk, and you are so tired of it, and you feel like you don't know who you are. You feel like your resources are being robbed, and you feel like I'm in isolation. Nobody looking around. If that's you, would you lift your hand and say, that is me. Come on, hold it up high just for a moment. I just want to say, hold it up. There's a lot more hands. Come on, hold it up high. That is me this morning. Anybody else? Come on. Put them down. Is there anybody else you say, oh, and I got to be honest, that is me. Yes. Yes, just going to wait. Yes. 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 I walked up this morning, gave a friend of mine a hug because I saw a post that she wrote and Now, with heads bowed, nobody look around. I'm going to give you one more chance to lift your hand if, if that was you and you didn't do it this morning. I am, I've got some issues going on. I need Jesus to give me a breakthrough. Would you just lift it up and take it back down? I don't want to miss anybody else. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Lord. 
<laughs> There's somebody here, and you're dealing with suicide. You're like that woman with the issue of blood. This is like your last hope. God's got to do something. <sighs> Nobody look around. If that's you, would you just hold your hand up? I want to pray for you too. Yes, yes. Yes. Four hands. Now, there were probably 50 hands that went up. I'm going to dismiss everybody, but before I do, come on now. Sometimes we got to take, nobody's going to ask you what they are. I just want to pray for you. If you lifted your hand, would you please come and stand and face me? Don't wait on anybody else. Please, right now, come up here. Come on, that's right, step out. There's a lot of people stepping out. Come on. Nobody's going to, I just want to anoint you with oil, and I just want to pray freedom over you, because this is what the Lord wants. That's right, come on up. A lot of people, scoot, scoot up right along the edge of the steps so I know it's you. I want to make sure I get to everybody. That's right. There's nothing about me. I just feel like this is a day, this is a revival moment for you. He's going to give you a breakthrough. I don't have to have the details. You're just tired of living where you've been living. Christians, just bow your heads and be praying right now. Be, help me. Be praying. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask Pastor Jeff, Pastor Taylor, Pastor Chuck, Pastor Brian, come up here. You guys are going to get some anointing oil. I don't want you to ask them what's going on. I just want you to anoint them. That's right. Get up. If you need prayer, get up in the front. Squeeze them. You guys squeeze together here. Help me out. Thank you, Jesus. The rest of you, you're going to be free to go unless you just want to stay here and pray. I want you to do that. Pastor Adam's going to lead us in worship. and uh, But we're going to anoint everybody. We're going to pray for them. And so... Taylor, if you'll start on that side. Chuck, if you'll start right there. Brian, if you'll start right there. And Jeff, we're going to pray. God bless you. Have a good week. Don't miss next week's message.